everybody, and welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And it is 2021. I would like to say that the evil that was 2020 has been defeated, but it looks like we've entered 2020 part two. Um, So take that as you will. Yeah, I like, I have to like be hopeful that 2021 is going to be the opposite of 2020, where it kind of like, like 2020 started off like decent. We went to um, Disney, we went to Galaxy's Edge, and then everything went wrong. And then hopefully (laughs) this year it'll be, it starts off pretty bad and then things get good. I hope so. It's hard to believe that Disney was like almost a year ago. Like, I'm so glad that we got to do that. And like right before everything locked down. Literally like right before. Yeah. I don't know how we managed that, but it was, it it really Can you imagine how depressing it would have been if that trip got canceled? Yes. That would have been so depressing. Yes. Like, I mean, like, guys, Alex and I live very far away, so (laughs) we don't get to see each other, like, ever. So, oh, man, I just, I hope that, you know, with the vaccine rollout, hopefully things will start to go better. Um, Yeah, I'm like, I have the travel bug. I, yeah, like I hate being stuck here. <laughs> I know every every two seconds, Alex and I are like, "Oh, when we can do things, we should do this thing." <laughs> yeah, it's like we should go see Taylor Swift. That's something that's happened. Oh, since folk, we, folk yeah. lover. Wait, folk lover more fest, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, and Olivia Rodrigo. Oh my driver's license. Have y'all listened to drivers? We're going to talk about driver's license and high school musical, the musical, the series. This is a Star Wars podcast, but we're going to talk about high school musical, um, Disney Channel star drama instead. Yeah, we're so invested in this drama. Hold on. Before (laughs) before we get into this, because this is technically like news slash rec suck, whatever. um, I do want to say thank you so much to Kyle. Um, He got us our very first coffee. So big round of applause for him. Thank you, (laughs) Kyle. If you ever want to support what we do here on Lipstick and Lightsabers, um, we do have a coffee account. We also have our shop with lovely art by Miss Alex. Um, Unfortunately, Disney is uh, the copyright king and likes to snipe our stuff so i cannot guarantee what designs will be up there or for how long so if you want something i would strongly recommend checking it out and seeing what's there um is that is that kyle gold who who uh, sent us a coffee it didn't say it just said kyle oh, okay well if yeah. it is if it is that kyle make sure to tune in to his wandavision um live youtube show on saturdays mm-hmm yeah, you watched a, a bit of that, didn't you? Oh, no, I watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched their pre-show, and then I watched their live show on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. There were a lot of people in the, like, live chat, a lot of theorizing going on. And, and we're going to talk about WandaVision a little bit, too, because we, we are obsessed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... So something has happened, and it's that Olivia Rodrigo, who is one of the leads in High School Musical, the musical, the series, uh, released her first single called Driver's License. And I don't know about you, but I just listened to this song on repeat and just, like, cry. <laughs> yeah. So, like, okay, if if you listen to us, you know that our son <laughs> is Joshua Bassett. Yeah, we've disowned him now. Um, now we fully <laughs> adopted Olivia Rodrigo. We've disowned him. He's yes. 
from what we we our our opinion on the matter is he is a dumb boy. I mean, like disappointed but not surprised. Yeah. Like he turned out to be just a a dumb boy. <laughs> um for those of you guys who are not up on this drama, apparently Olivia and um, Joshua, who play Ricky and Nina, um, were dating in real life, kind of dating in real life. But he ended up with Sabrina Carpenter, who's a little bit older. And there's just so much drama. And like I keep waiting for like tea to spill. Like yeah. I'm so invested yeah. in this. <laughs> It just reminds me of, like, Nylee of our, like, era. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, like, I, I just, the fact that he released a song, too. What was it called? Just, lie, lie, lie. It's not that it's good. it's so bad. It's yeah, so bad. like, and the video is just, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and then what somehow he's, doing? like, in the hospital. Like, Oh, yeah, he's in the hospital. He has surgery. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's I, happening. I yeah, did someone run him over with their car? Like I, 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 I bet so. I don't know. I just hope like because Olivia's like idol is and like her, her inspiration. Yeah, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. And did you see Taylor Swift like commented on Instagram yes. on her post? Yeah, yeah. Like, can you imagine? I bet she's like ha- she is literally I, living her dream right now. And like, I could totally see Taylor Swift like loving being a mentor to her, like. Fully yes. taking this on. I bet you, I bet I bet they're going to release a song together one day. I bet. <sighs> I mean, you've heard the mashup of Driver's License and Getaway Car. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, so, so good. Oh, my gosh. I, I was going to say I thank TikTok for all of this obsession. Man, TikTok is like just what we do now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, another thing that that happened. I guess this kind of falls into a wreck as well. Um, we got Bridgerton. <gasps> oh my gosh! I didn't realize we haven't recorded since Bridgerton. So and like Wonder Woman eighty four also came out, which was and, bad. Um, and the Mandalorian gallery also came out, which I still haven't watched. Oh my gosh! You haven't? Okay, it was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, one okay, episode, good. but it was it was good. Um. Yeah, so Bridgerton, or do you want to you want to say something about Wonder Woman first? I haven't watched it. Um, all I have to say about Wonder Woman is that it's it's a hot mess. I feel like it's trying yeah. to do too many things. It makes me a little bit worried about Patty Jenkins and her movie with Star Wars. But I mean, the first Wonder Woman was so strong. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Um, it's just, it's just boring. It's just really boring. There is some like racism. There's some weird yeah. That's, stuff I, in I've it. seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about that. Like I and weird Steve stuff, like consent yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's some weird um, consent but, stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I'm like I'm totally out of the loop. I'm only seeing this from like third party like kind of on the outskirts well because like i woke up on christmas and i watched soul which was really good i really liked soul soul and then i watched wonder woman with my mom and we were both Mm -hmm. like so ready for it to be over (laughs) yeah everyone's kind of like the movie felt like it was like 10 hours long yeah it felt very long it felt very very long but the other thing that came out on christmas was bridgerton and just what, what a, a whirlwind! <laughs> what a treat! <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was really. Um, 
femme gaze. So if you're into that kind of thing, highly recommend. Um, all the characters are really interesting. So um, this season kind of like follows a courtship of like one of the Bridgerton children. And so even if like, for example, like they're not your fate, that that character is not your favorite Bridgerton, you still get a taste of all the other siblings and each season going forward is going to like follow a courtship of like a different sibling. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely worth watching even if Daphne is not your favorite Bridgerton. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Daphne hate, which like... I'm kind of, I was kind of confused like, by. She, without spoiling anything, like, she does something that is, like, very, no, like, yikes. Yeah. Um, but some of, some of the hate towards her before that incident happens is a little uncalled for. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I... I have some questions with, like, I, I kind of felt like that plot point didn't make sense anyway. Um, but, yeah, everybody just thinks she's really annoying. I like And her Daphne. bangs. Everyone hates her yeah, bangs. Yeah, everybody hates her bangs. Um, but I do want to say to any of you guys who have watched Bridgerton and have seen Alex, is Alex not the spitting image <laughs> of Daphne? Of Daphne? Oh, God. <laughs> she is your twin. <laughs> But that show, it, it's so good. Like, it was just really fun to watch. And I think, like, I really, I came out of it really, really liking, like, Penelope and Eloise. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Penelope, <laughs> Eloise, um, Colin, Benedict. And there's obviously the Bridgerton musical on TikTok that is <laughs> also consuming our lives. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We also got the, the Ratatouzical. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, now that we've had um, Ratatouille, the musical, based off of TikTok, now everybody's moved on to making Bridgerton into a musical. It's so good. It the, is like, good. The, the burn for you one, like, it, like, gets stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, just, like, uh, when the two voices come together at the end of that one. It's, it's good. very good. I mean, I've heard that the cast can sing, so, like... <gasps> That would murder me. I don't know if I would and survive. Netflix, would, Netflix is smarter. Th- like, in terms of marketing and, like, marketing to, like, the TikTok generation, Netflix seems smarter than Disney. Mm-hmm. Like, Disney, I think, like, I, I think that they could have done more with the Ratatouzical. Like, in terms of, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised that they even recognized it but like they could have done more i think netflix is gonna go all out yeah i feel like disney is still a little slow when it comes to keeping up with like the like the the zoomers (laughs) it's it's also weird because they're so um possessive of their ip that it almost seems like their decision making is slow based off of like them trying to decide if they're gonna kind of like let their ip kind of be like used by the general public or not Mm -hmm. i still think like, I, I love what they did with Ratatouille, the musical. I, I do think it was really cute, and it was it was nice to watch. I still kind of stand by that if they had let it be entirely fan-made, or, like, you know, a, a company like Starkid had done it or something, it would have been, like, exactly yeah. what TikTok was wanting, you know? Um, which I think that there's still potential for, because it was more yeah. of just 
I mean, we're in a pandemic. Yeah. yeah, we're in a pandemic right now. Who who's to say on the other side of this pandemic, like Starkid isn't able to actually? I would die it. if Starkid actually did that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, one more thing to recommend before we move into um, news in quotations. Um, there's this book that came out called Lore by Alexander Bracken. It is like a modern Greek mythology kind of story. And it was just so good. Like, I cannot explain how freaking good this book was. Like, I know it's only, like, the middle of January, but already I'm like, lore is probably going to be one of my favorites of the year. Like, it was just so good. (laughs) Are there any other books that are highly anticipated for you that you're like, ooh, maybe they, they could be better? Not really at the moment. Like, I'm really excited for Court of Silver Flames. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant about that. I, I am a book. bit hesitant, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just because, like, it's lived in, like, headcanons for so long. Like, I'm, yeah. I feel and like... And there's been a lot of, like... Drama. Talk. Drama. Yeah. The, like, supposed threesome that was going to happen in the book that is now not in it. Yeah. I'm... Um, I'm, like, for Sarah J. Moss, like, I think I'm definitely more excited for Crescent City, but that's just because I don't don't know what to expect with it. Like, it's such a, it's so up Mm -hmm. in the air. Um, There's, I don't have any expectations for that. It's Um, exciting, though, to get a new book in the Court of Thorns and Roses, like, series. Because, like, how long has it been since the Frost, Frost and Starlight? It's been a while, like maybe maybe two years. Yeah, because that's the first, I was going to say, that's the first book from that series that I read when it came out mm-hmm. because I had been caught up at that point. Yeah, I, I know that um, A Court of Wings and Ruin came out in 2017 because mm-hmm. I read the series and I had actually just finished um, A Court of Miss and Fury like, a month before that came wow. out. So I didn't have to wait. Oh, my <laughs> I timed gosh, it really yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, that's um, lucky. Yeah. But I, I highly recommend Lore. It's it's so good. It it deals a lot with the um, Medusa mythology, which, um, if you guys don't know about, like, highly recommend. Medu- the Medusa story is one of my favorites when it's um, retold through, like, more of a, like, a femme gaze. It's really interesting. Um, so I really recommend picking up Lore. I would definitely say it's more new adult um, than young adult. I don't know if it's going to be a series. It kind of ended on a on a weird note, but I'd be perfectly okay if it's just one book because I thought it was great. Um, so moving on, I uh, briefly wanted to touch on WandaVision, which I think everybody is talking about, but Alex and I, especially Alex, have been very excited for this show. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, I, I've been really excited because I I think I told you, I had this weird, like, just gut feeling that it was going to be really good. And, like, the same gut feeling I had before The Last Jedi when I was just like, you know, I haven't watched any Ryan Johnson movies, but I trust this man. Like, I just, like, I know in my heart that, the, like, this is going to be a great movie. And I had the same feeling of a WandaVision. And it was really great. Mm-hmm. And I've watched um, both episodes twice now. 
probably going to watch them again today. Yeah, it's just like... It is just... It's so different. It is lovely. It is lovely, but also unsettling. Like, a lot of people comparing it to The Twilight Zone, which I also love. And, like, having those small moments that are just like, wait, what's going on? I feel like they the writers really know what they're doing like it it feels so genius like it's grounded it's like it's so grounded in research Mm -hmm. like you can tell like how much work they put into making sure that this universe feels right like it really does feel like um for the first two episodes 50s and 60s sitcoms um It's just nice when you know they did the research because it shows. Mm -hmm. Like, the work speaks for itself. Like, it's just natural to watch. Well, and, like, you can tell how, like, on board everybody is. Like, all of the acting is so good. It's so good. It's so good. Like, I just, I'm very excited. Like, like, Academy Award. (laughs) Yeah, Academy Award. Like, seriously. And I'm just, like... I love the way that they're they're like slowly building up like what's happening here because by the time you yeah. get done with the second episode, like you know something's going on, um, and I've also seen um, so like I watched it with my mom who like you know she's seen like Infinity War and all that but I did kind of have to refresh her. She liked it just for like what it was. Yeah, like I I think it's interesting like if you don't know anything. I feel like it could still grab you because you still get this sense of like, oh, something's not right here. Like something's going on. And I I like that. I feel like WandaVision could be like a way in for the the MCU. Like some people are going to just tune into WandaVision. I have two friends who like are not MCU fans, but like they see all the hype for WandaVision. They're like, oh, I really want to watch WandaVision. And like imagine what that's going to do. I think especially for women mm-hmm. who want to get into the MCU. Because we've, like, we've criticized the MCU quite a bit about female stories, like, fe- like especially feminine gays. Like, we've criticized it a lot. There's a, a, a couple instances where, like, I do feel like they do a good job, but it's, like, so slim pickings. <laughs> I, I really think that like kind of like with Mando um with how that could be an int- with the first season of Mando um yeah. it could be an entry point the story felt really mm-hmm. tight like they really knew what they were doing like i get that same feeling with WandaVision and i really like that i yeah. i hope that they pick up on like what people are loving about this show and keep doing that yeah i I hope they don't try to like change direction or anything because like i've Mm -hmm. never been i've never been interested in like one of the marvel shows and this one's just so different and it's so good it's definitely different and like jack schaefer is the showrunner the creator and she also wrote the script for um black widow Mm -hmm. and i think did she work on captain marvel at all yes yeah she was part of the writing team yeah, I think she was the she was a screenwriter yeah, for Captain Marvel. Yeah, and like, and besides, like, she hasn't really done that much. And she directed. Oh no, she didn't direct the first episode. It was someone else. But she wrote the first episode, and then we have another woman, Gretchen. I forget her last name, 
But I like I went down this whole rabbit hole of all the writers <laughs> on WandaVision. And we have two women writers and um, relatively unknown, like not like not super ex- like um, experienced in a way like obviously these people have experience, but not like big blockbuster mm-hmm. experience like we see in a lot of the Marvel stuff with like the Russo brothers and you know. Yeah, which I really love because it's it doesn't have a blockbustery feel, and I'm really glad for that. Yeah, I'm glad that they're bringing in like you know unknown names. I'm glad that we're already two for two on like women screenwriters. Mm-hmm. Like WandaVision, WandaVision by someone like the Russo brothers would feel completely <laughs> different. <laughs> I the jokes would just like not. No, the jokes they wouldn't probably land. Probably wouldn't land. I can tell you exactly <laughs> how it would end too. Like, yeah. I know exactly what they would do. And, like, I still have that fear that it's going to happen, but I'm hoping it'll have meaning. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, WandaVision is so good. What the Force is going to be covering um, WandaVision, like, as it comes yeah. out. It's it's their um, second channel, um, What the Fiction. Yes. So they're doing non-Star Wars stuff on that channel. And um, MC and Kyle, they dressed up this weekend mm-hmm. in, like... Um, pin girls and like they look so good and they and they um they film on like a green screen with like a WandaVision background it's super cute yeah it's super super cute so if you haven't watched WandaVision or if you want to hear a little bit more about it you should definitely check that stuff out so we haven't even mentioned this uh but we're here today uh to talk about the High Republic because we finally got the release of it this was supposed to happen like last summer and then pan- the quarantine happened, pandemic, it all got pushed back. Um, but we finally have the first few books. We have Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. We have mm-hmm. um, A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. Kevin Scott did the comic that's out right now. He also did a little sticker book, um, which I have not picked up or read, but we did hear um, from a friend of ours that the stickers are amazing and worth it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but kind of before we get into it, cause we, we are going to do like a deep dive. We are going to talk spoilers, but before we do that, like what, what are your thoughts of what you've seen so far? First of all, these books don't feel like summer books to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but they feel, they feel like winter books. I Do you get that feeling from books? Like no. the release? Like, Okay. <laughs> I like now that you've said that like I kind of get what you mean um they feel like October releases to me if that makes sense so a nice autumn like you have like your your chai tea like a fleece like kind of like plaid blanket um, the, the leaves are changing color outside you got some pumpkins yeah, like all the leaves that. are brown yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, like in in like September October, um, you get a lot of big like YA and like middle grade releases. Like that's when um, like the the first Tuesday of September is like a huge book release day. Like I love to go to the bookstore for like my birthday. And it is like always got the stuff. best month to have your birthday. It really is. Let me just say, my birthday is at like the perfect spot for books. Yeah, it, really, it is so it really good. Is. <laughs> um, so, like, it, it does feel like that to me. Like, these were supposed to come out 
mm-hmm. in like August. August. So like getting getting close. Um, like I, I I I think I agree with you with the fall thing, but the August like it's like humid. It's and still hot. hot. Yeah. Um, I'm like I couldn't picture myself sitting out on my like patio reading like the Jedi like with an iced tea <laughs> and like my sunglasses. So- like it's it's not that feel. Now I'm laughing because you know what does <laughs> normally come out in like April, May for Star Wars? Um, like Zahn and like Freed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still in Canada at least, like it's still kind of gross. Like it's mm-hmm. wet and it's rainy. So you're still inside. Not yes. no patio reading yet. Like uh, the patio okay. reading okay. kind of starts in May for me. I, I see. Um, I, I understand. So that's like <laughs> Zahn. Zahn gets the patio read. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, I've like derailed this entire High no, Republic I, to I talk love about. It. I love the vibes. I love <laughs> about the vibes. books and seasons and the vibe. <laughs> I just, we're living for the vibes right now, guys. That's what 2021 <laughs> is. It's just a vibe. Well, you know, like in the pandemic, I only have two places to go, my house or my patio. This is true. This is true. I, I can read like on my couch or I can read in my bed. Just depends on if Percy's crying or not because he likes to not be alone. <laughs> I would say overall, I really like this new era for Star Wars. It feels I, I, I just, I'm so much happier with it than like if we were going to be getting more like rebellion era or more stuff that we've already seen like I do yeah. like that it is so different yeah less um Poe Dameron Freefall more <laughs> High Republic yeah that's always good yeah well it's just you know it, it feels very fresh to me which I which I really really like I I like that it, it feels more like the prequel books that we had been getting um which is fun too um some of them are fun as some some of them are fun yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, as far as like timeline and order, like where how are we situated right now? We are, I believe, four hundred years before Phantom Menace. Something like that. Is that right? Yeah. So um the High Republic actually supposedly this is like weird information that I'm I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but it goes all the way up until 50 years before the Phantom Menace? Yeah, because that's when Acolyte is. Yeah. So Acolyte is like the end of the High Republic. Mm -hmm. And these books are, are they at the beginning or are they like somewhere in the middle? I, I guess they're, I mean, I'm not really sure. Like right now, like all is well. That's how how the book starts out. It is like uncanny. It feels very culty to me, honestly. Like yeah. I don't trust it. I do like the Chancellor. I think she's really cool. Mm-hmm. She's got two little she's got two like lion things. Without going into too much like detail, it it Light of the Jedi reads like the Jedi are kind of the villains. They do. It does, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> like the whole time I was like, look, the Nile are just out here like living their lives. Yeah, living their life. <laughs> It's like you disturb them. They yeah. were living their lives peace- peacefully. And like I like I cannot get over this and like I feel like this is a me thing. And I, I like I know that the Starlight Beacon, so like part of what they're doing right now, like the Chancellor is wanting to do like all these great works because everything's great right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So she's wanting to like bring 
the higher public out further from the core. So she sets up the Starlight Beacon in the Outer Rim. And this is so coloniza- colonization to me. I was about to say that. I was like, this is like the most like colonization vibe. It is. It like, is yeah. It, it really feels yeah. like that to and me. Just like, and also think about like how long ago colonization happened like in North America. It yeah. was like, it, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of mirroring I mean, that. What, like, you know, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1400, Six- 1600s. Uh, <laughs> 1600, it's 1600. We are, yeah, 16, so yeah, like 400 years ago. Oh, you know what it is? I know it from Pocahontas, because in 1607, we sailed the ocean seas. Thank That's, you, Disney. Thank, thank you. you, Disney. <laughs> The the colonizer movie. Um, so so like like four hundred years ago. Yeah. Well, and you know the Jedi to me feel very um, like they're traveling around. They're like a religious group, bringing yeah, like their views bringing to the their, galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know they're setting that's, up a temple, yikes. recruiting. Like didn't ask anyone if they no, wanted I, that. <laughs> I get that. I, I just get that vibe. I, I do like they're talking about, you know, like furthering technology and medicine and like all this kind of stuff. But the vibes are there. <laughs> so. But it's like like they don't like listen to anyone and uh, they're not learning different like advice from the people where they're moving into their land. They're yeah. just like bringing their knowledge. Yeah, I would say like as of right now, I I feel like the Jedi to me I I don't really like them. I like some no. of them, but like what I feel like the books are kind of setting As a up. Group. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what we're seeing is like the Jedi right now are not as unified as I think they think they are. Yeah. Which is gonna you, like, be interesting. You, I was gonna say, for example, you take a character like Vern and like she's not doing anything wrong. Like she is not like bringing the the star beacon into this like outer area it's mm-hmm. like them collectively yeah as a group well speaking of Vern, though like i think you can definitely see how the ideology has affected her because she is so young and to me she acts so much older than she is yeah i feel like her childhood like she she really didn't have one and like there's nothing necessarily wrong than with that like she is like kind of more serious for her age but kind of seeing her against like these other kids I feel like she has a lot to learn just about being like a person and like kind of growing up that maybe the Jedi aren't quite showing her, maybe. Um, Before we get into spoilers still, um, I will say there was a live stream where all the authors were kind of talking about everything just with launch day. And they, they brought up if they're in order that you should read these books in. And they said that there is no particular order. You can kind of jump in wherever you want, which I would say I think definitely holds up. Um, Yeah. If you want to be, like, completely unspoiled with things, they do recommend, like, release order. So, like, start with Light of the Jedi, do Test of Courage, do the comic, like, that kind of thing. They were all the same day, though, right? Or the comic was a day after. Yeah. Yeah. but like timeline wise, I was gonna say it's it's clearly purposeful that mm-hmm. Claudia's book is coming out later. I think it's gonna 
we've already seen like there's some um, dramatic irony that's been set up because something happens in Light of the Jedi that now we know that the character doesn't know yet in that book, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Like, and I read Test of Courage first before Light of the Jedi, and I, Light of the Jedi does have like all the answers. <laughs> it yeah. really does tell you like all the things. But like, I read Test of Courage first, and like, it was fine. Like, I I totally understood everything that was happening. Yeah. Um, I didn't know like the ins and outs of like the Nile or any of that kind of stuff. But like, you didn't need it for that kind of book. Um, so I think it's it's fine if you want to just read the comic, or if you even come into it later with Claudia's book, like. It seems pretty friendly to, like, all of Star Wars, you know, there isn't necessarily a particular order to things. Or you can find new orders as things come out. So, are we ready to move into spoilers with these books? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we are going to start with Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Um, What was it like reading this book, Alex? It was the first hundred pages were pulling teeth for me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I I think Charlotte said last night it took her like three weeks to read the first hundred pages. It like drags on. and, And the worst thing about it is like, I could not tell you what happened to what characters because there were so many. And so and many of them was, die. And, and like, besides from, like, Avar, who, in my mind, what stuck out about her was her ability to kind of make, like, a semi, like, force bond between all the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, that stuck out to me because I'm a Raylo and anything that, like, resembles a force bond <laughs> I'm going to, like, latch on to. Mm-hmm. But, like, none of the other characters really had anything that... I could make that, like, mental, like, bridge and, like, mm-hmm. actually remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say, like, the only other one that I was able to latch on to pretty well with was Bell, But that's just yeah. because he had a dog. <laughs> and I loved that. That was really cute. It was <laughs> He's a baby boy. Like, that was fun. Um, but, man, the first hundred pages, what really got me was being introduced to a character and getting settled with this character. Like, the chapter would be long enough to where you would be settled in this character's point of view, and then they would die at the end of the chapter. So I was like, I didn't need to know that this captain is this many years old and has been the captain for, you know, like, I didn't need to know that. (laughs) It was like, what, like, the text, like, it was too long. It just... They could have pulled, like, Charles Soule could have pulled off, like, the same thing with less words. I I honestly think the first hundred, so, like, the first hundred pages is, like, the great disaster happening. Um, Basically, Mm -hmm. um, this ship out in hyperspace um, just completely, like, pulls itself apart. And since it was in hyperspace, um, it start like, chunks of it start emerging in different places. Mm -hmm. And they can't figure out where where it's going to go. Well, I I would like I was gonna say I would um, compare this to like so the book is almost four hundred pages mm-hmm. so they spend a whole quarter of mm-hmm. this book on this so could you imagine you're watching Last Jedi and that first like bomb run on the on the dreadnought was 
half an hour or more than half an hour. Well, what it made me think of was um, almost a third of the Rots novel, the Revenge of the Sith novel, is just them saving Palpatine in the beginning. Um, yeah, but then you get, like, pages about butts and, like... Well, I mean, it, it's so much more meaningful because... Yeah. It, there's, like, that, a... That- there's a third person. It feels more removed, mm-hmm. like you're watching it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, I, I, which I think that this really could have benefited from, we were always so deep in somebody's point of view. So when it would change, it just felt a little jarring because it would happen so many times. And, like, you wouldn't ever yeah. return to characters. Um, so I think, like, you know, Revenge of the Sith pulled it off a little bit better than this did. I, I really think that you could have had, like, one or two chapters of... This ship exploded, these things happened, these Jedi responded, and then you could have started with, I think it's like part two, it's like page um, like 114 of them all in the Chancellor meeting talking about how they're going to respond, and like that's where the book could have like really started, in mm-hmm. my opinion, because it just is <laughs> so much information. <laughs> it's just dry. Like, to me, it's dry. And like, I know... For some people, like, that's the kind of thing they like in their Star Wars books. Because they're just like, we don't like the Thrawn trilogy very much. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of people who love that trilogy. So it's not for us. But the first hundred pages of this book might be for someone else. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, if you if you like the battles and you like the ships, like, you probably will like this. I, for one, anytime I saw the word vector, started skimming. <laughs> That was the name of, like, the um, the Jedi ship, like, the new Jedi ship. And, like, I had no patience for how they were flying or maneuvering. Or <laughs> I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. But, yeah, there's just, there's so many characters, so many ships. And, like, I, I do admire Charles Soule because he had so much to do. He had so much to set up. But it was just so much. It was so much yeah. all at once. And for me, the only other Charles Soule I've ever read is the comics, mm-hmm. the Vader, the Vader comics, and the um, Kylo Ren comics. Um, and the thing with comics is a lot gets set up like by visuals. So like this whole part of like the hundred pages, if it had been a comic, it would have been. I mean, it would have been a lot of pages of artwork, but it probably could have, like, the entire 100 pages, I think, would have benefited more as a comic. Mm-hmm. It would have still, like, impacted us, and probably even more because we wouldn't have lost interest as much. <laughs> well, and see, like, that would have been interesting if you had, like, a prologue, like, a short prologue just kind of explaining that, like, this thing happened, and then maybe, mm-hmm. like, you know, I know that the High Republic comic is focused to focused on something else but you could have had a comic that was the great disaster yeah um, which would have been interesting because the way it kind of ends off because they um somehow broadcast this happening like you see the jedi trying to save this planet it kind of works as like a propaganda machine um so that would have been interesting to see like in a print form like in a visual media so after after all of that, um, basically, we finally get to get settled into a little bit of a narrative. Um, we get to meet the Chancellor. Uh, something I thought was really cool was seeing Coruscant at this time, because Coruscant has already turned into a city world, but there's a mountain 
And they're like at the peak of this mountain, which was really interesting. I liked that. Um, But basically, the Chancellor gives the Jedi the task of figure out why this happened and make sure it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen again. And that's like the premise of the book. Yeah, like the task. Are you talking about like the task force? Yeah. Let's kind of talk about some of the characters that we get. I I would think that like going into it, I thought Avar Chris was going to be the main character. And I feel like in a way, maybe... Did did you think that there was a main character? <sighs> Honestly, <laughs> if I were to say that there was a main character, I'd probably say it was the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that was purposeful? Do you Maybe. think that was purposeful of Charles? Or did it just happen that way because there were so many Jedi? I, I think it could have been like a, a bit of each because um, whenever you were with the Jedi, there were like... There was Avar's group, and then there was Bell and his master, um, and then there was another group with the Wookiee, who's in the sticker book, and then there was another group that was the kinky married couple, although they might have been the same group as as the Wookiee. I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really remember that much about them, except for the fact that, like, she just wanted to go on her beach vacation and sip like tropical drinks and be in a bikini i mean understandable i i would say like the meat of the plot was with yeah avar um because she's she's really the one like they they figure out the stuff about like hyperspace and everything and then being in the nile and like the villain with that i feel like he was the most like consistent throughout the book and avar to me this is kind of my complaint with all of the jedi is they're all a little boring (laughs) I I don't know. I, I feel like she has some potential, but all of the Jedi to me seem a little flat, I think. Yeah. They're all very um, up on their pedestal, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. very high and mighty. It did remind very me. Very dry. Like, not, like, they don't, like, they're so alike because they've been conditioned to be yes. alike. Yes. There I felt like there weren't any um like there there weren't a lot of character flaws to kind of make them interesting or to make them stand out. Um which was kind of like that kind of annoyed me a little bit. It did remind me of Master and Apprentice, but like Master and Apprentice obviously had a smaller cast. So they kind of she was able to handle yeah. things a little bit differently. I'm, but that also speaks to Claudia Gray as a character writer. Yes, this is also um, true. Always, Claudia is always using character to motivate the plot, not the other way around. Yes. And I mean, this is definitely mm-hmm. a, a plot-driven book because everything happens because of the great disaster. Yeah. I, I do wonder if this had been more of like a first person point of view book from Avar and then also from the villain like those were the only points of view you had i wonder mm-hmm. if this book would read like much differently yeah but i i can't see like claudia wanting to take on a book like this no i don't think so well i mean there's just so much information here like i yeah. really feel like light of the jedi is just it's just giving you the information it's like laying the foundation yeah 
And that's very Charles Soule of you yeah. to say that, like, <laughs> giving the information. Yeah. It it kind of reminded me, um, I was thinking about this, of, like, of The Force Awakens. You know, The Force Awakens is good. It is what it is. Um, yeah. And it could, have been, it could have been taken in any direction. Um, so is... Is he our JJ? I don't know. Um, but will Kevin Scott be our Ryan Johnson with the next book? I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, I love Kevin. I love Kevin. I love Dooku Jedi Laws. Yes. Like, love it. It's spicy. I feel like that's what this book I needs. Mean, it needs some spice. It's spicy in an incestuous way. <laughs> But um, it's, it's, I love the just, I, I'm going on a tangent, but I love the Hogwarts feel of it, which mm-hmm. I really hope to see in the High Republic. Yes. Though because of the great disaster, it's kind of like probably put um, like school life at the temple kind of like all in haywire and crazy. Our, our characters are more spread out, I feel like, mm-hmm. which is interesting because um, in so like we've both read the sample for Into the Dark and then obviously we have Test of Courage. Those books I, I like because they're they're centered around like a, a particular cell of people within everything, mm-hmm. whereas Light of the Jedi is more like and we're going to check in with these people and we're going to check in with these people. And like, you know, it was it didn't feel as like intimate. Because there was so much going on. Yeah, that's like, that's totally, you're so right about saying that it's less intimate. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. So we've kind of talked about this, but like, what was the great disaster? Like, what do they, what do they find out happened? So they're finding pieces of debris in hyperspace. The first hundred pages deals with like, oh, it's this many minutes until this big collision with the Hetzel system, that these pieces are going to basically impact planets. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, like, the thing about these emergences, as they call them, is that, like, you can't predict them. Like, with hyperspace, like, you don't know where they're going to they're gonna come out. They can hit other ships, um, yeah. which we do see in Into the Dark. Um, we've already seen that with the sample. They can hit planets. Um, the big thing with the Hetzal system. Oh, the sun. Yeah, it was going to hit one. I don't know if it was like full of fuel or what, but it was going to crash into the sun, which would have destroyed mm-hmm. the entire system. Um, yeah, it would have killed four, four billion people. Yeah. They said. Yeah. Or 40 billion people. Um, so like once they kind of figure out that like these emergencies are going to keep happening, they try to like develop a, a thing that will predict where they will come out. Um and, like, the reason the ship crashed was because of the Nile. It ran, it was going to hit a Nile ship in hyperspace, which shouldn't happen um, with how hyperspace works. And the ship tried to correct itself around it, and it couldn't do it. The computer got too confused, and so it literally yeah. ripped the entire ship apart. But, I mean, the Nile did that on purpose. They knew what they were doing. Yes. They knew that they were going to have to take evasive maneuvers. Well, you don't learn that till the end. But... Yes, the Nile are very cunning. They have a lot of plans. And basically, this entire thing happened for one purpose. And it was because the leader wanted to kidnap a Jedi. Like, I need to talk about... I'm not. I'm going to say his name wrong. It's like Mar- Marchurian? Um, 
Uh, do you have it written down somewhere? Because I can yeah, try to read I, it. In the notes. Oh, March, Marchian? Marchian? Mar- Mar- yeah, Mar- Marchian. <laughs> Marchian. Um, he is the eye of the Nile. Um, they're like a, like a storm. Um, and he's the eye of the storm. He is yeah. the one who uh, basically allows the Nile to be the way that they are. And he has a lot of plans. Um, he wants... He wanted to capture a Jedi, and, like, you don't really see this until the very end, but he created, like, this entire, like, prison system to imprison a Jedi, and he was like, you don't imprison a Jedi behind bars, you do it with pain, and I was like, oh, he's gonna be cool, like, he's very, very interesting, and I liked how this information was given to us, because you kind of spend the whole book thinking that it was an accident, like, the, the ship crashed, it was an accident, the Nile's trying to make sure that the higher public doesn't find out, but then, oh, no, they do, and, oh, no, now there's a conflict, and, oh, no, now, like, half the Nile is gone, um, but it was all on purpose. Like, he does all of this on purpose to make sure that, like, he gave the Nile a martyr, he gave them a, com- a common enemy, so, like, they are ready to just take on the higher public by the end of this book. Mm-hmm. I think we need to talk about... Um, what exactly is going on with hyperspace and we can't talk about that without talking about the santecas and we can't talk about the santecas without talking about where they live oh the lakes (laughs) they're at the lakes they're at the lakes (laughs) um so varikino gets a nice little shout out yes and we all know varikino is where padme and anakin got married yes and but (sighs) it's a retreat for artists and poets. Literally. It's literally. It is the lakes. Literally take me to the lakes <laughs> where Taylor all the poets Swift. went to die. <laughs> like, literally, I was screaming. Like, there is a ship in this book, um, a little bit of one, with Avar and another Jedi named Elzar. Maybe that's how you say it. Um, and they they do get a little bit of setup um, here on this page, but I was like blacked out from seeing the words Varakino and then hearing that it was a retreat for poets. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, Taylor Swift. Nothing else matters. <laughs> Taylor Swift wrote Varikino. a song about Varakino. <laughs> like nothing else mattered. And no, it's crazy. Like, um, wait, folklore came out when? Was it August? Yeah. Because August slipped away. Okay, so, like, basically what you're telling me is the lakes, like, would have come out around the same time as these books. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, like, did Taylor get, like, commissioned to write the lakes? Taylor's magic. I don't know how she does anything. Like, as a, (laughs) as a new, as a newfound Swifty, because I was a casual fan in middle school, um, I have and now, learned. Look at you. Look at look at me. Um, I've learned <laughs> so many crazy things. <laughs> like, she's like an all powerful god or something. I don't know how she does anything, but she she did this. <laughs> she did this. <laughs> um, but what is interesting about Naboo and you know Varakino in this region is that this like only the wealthiest people in the galaxy live here. Um, and this is where we are introduced to the Santeca clan, which, if you guys remember Laura Santeca from The Force Awakens, <laughs> remember when we thought he was going to be important for episode nine? I still stand by him 
he should have been in episode nine. The gatherers. The gatherers. The gatherers. What? (laughs) They didn't. (laughs) Come on. I like how this always turns into like this is what they should this have done for episode how nine. It should have been. I just the Santagas. They were supposed to mean something, but they are hyperspace prospectors. That's that's pretty funny. That just reminds me of Toy Story two. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. Pete prospector, stinky, stinky Pete. Yeah, with stinky Santaka. Stinky Santaka. <laughs> Um, yeah, they went out into space and mapped it out, and they sold the information to, you know, different parts of the galaxy and made their fortune that way, and now they're chilling. Um, apparently nobody understands hyperspace better than they do, and it's kind of hinted that they could know how the Nile, like, does what they do with the, uh, with hyperspace, and we found out it's because um, the leader of the Nile kidnapped somebody named Mary Santeca, who is now, like, over 100 years over old. Over 100, yeah. And she's, like, attached to something, keeping her alive, like, Palpatine, kind of. <laughs> and did I did I read this correctly, too? Like, he, there's a lot about how, like, Bakta is, like, a new thing that they're starting to farm. Yeah. Like, I think... Um, how did we say his name? Marchian? Marchian. Marchian. He might be interested in this because it'll help keep um, Mary alive, possibly. Um, but Mary is a very interesting character. And can you can you explain to us why Mary is so important? Yeah, so she can, like, see into hyperspace. Mm -hmm. Like, she's, like, basically, like, a Navidroid. Like, she can do what, like, um, like, L3 can do. Which is wild, right? Like, we've never heard of this before. Well, except for what it it did remind me of the Skywalkers from Thrawn. Yeah. Because they have, like, little girls who navigate through hyperspace for them. And that's, like, that's wild because it's always just the little girls and then they can't do it anymore when they're adults. Yeah, like, that's a whole, like, plot point in um, Chaos mm-hmm. Rising is, like, you lose the ability as you get older. Um, but what would the Nile do if, the, if like, M- Mary died? That's the thing, because um, he says that. He says if Mary dies, then there will be no more paths, so they can't, you know, move through hyperspace like this anymore. Like, basically, the Nile's way of life will completely come to an end. Um, so everything rests on her being alive. And she is, like, a big secret. Like, the Ni- like the Nile at large don't know that that's where they get all their information from. Um, so if anything were to happen to her, like, Martian's gonna just... <laughs> so, this wasn't this was unclear to me. Like, do Navidroids, like, not... So, like, Navidroids aren't as good as her. But, like, yeah. by the time we get to, like, the sequel trilogy, are they? Are they that Maybe. good? Or is there still no one as good as Mary? That like, is the question, because they said that... Um, something happened to her, like, out there in space. <laughs> like, it changed her mind. So... Yeah, like, radiation or something. I don't yeah. know. Like, are they going to use this to develop new technology? Like, I always assumed that, like, with hyperspace, because you have to, like, calculate your jump to make sure nothing's yeah. in the way. Um, But they almost make it seem like hyperspace in this book is, like, a different plane. 
Um, and like normally you would drive on it yeah. like on the interstate through like a specific they're lane. Like, they're doing like some Ant-Man stuff. Yeah. Like I, I want to know more about this because I'm, I'm very interested. Um, we've never really seen it explained like this before. Mm-hmm. And I, I think she's going to be very, very interesting. And like. Yeah. <sighs> but how do you like take her brain and then turn it into a machine? Is the question that is the question? I I think like I think we're headed for something that's going to be something that we've never seen before. Yeah, which will be very very cool. I like that a lot. Um, I like the relationship she has to to our villain boy because um, he doesn't really have. He says that like Mary's like the closest thing he has to family because um, he doesn't have anybody left anymore and she doesn't even really like know who she is like she's her mind is like gone she's she's too old mm-hmm. to remember things um so i'm very interested to see like what's going to become of that and why he wanted a jedi and how that's going to play into it too um so on like another side of things because this great disaster happens. They close all the hyperlanes. They're afraid to do hyperspace travel. They don't know what's going to happen. And what I found really interesting is that apparently, like, these outer rim planets, like, need these hyperlanes, like, for aid. Like, they need it for food and supplies and all of that, which I found interesting. So, like, the planets themselves sometimes, like, don't produce everything to be self-sustaining within the Republic. Well, I mean, that would make sense. I mean... That all their ecosystems are different. <laughs> that's true. Um, Every planet is one ecosystem. Yeah. As we see. In Tess of Courage, you see that. That's true. That is very, very true. Um, and because these planets are so desperate, like, we do kind of see a little bit of, like, I feel like the beginnings of what could be a coup happening um, with senators kind of getting upset with how the chancellor is handling things. And I wonder if ultimately we're going to see her overthrown like a vote of no confidence like a a, like a something they're definitely building all this up because we have so many more books coming like the second like wave of books are gonna come well and we're still gonna be in phase one until like i don't even know when phase one technically ends like this next wave of books it's still phase one so it's Mm -hmm. there's a lot happening and obviously and i feel like we're gonna see you know if all is well right now then what we should be setting up is that everything's everything's gonna go wrong. So I I'm really excited to see how that's gonna how that's gonna turn out. Um, we also get on page uh, 300 more about the Jedi, and this is where I feel like you really see their ideology in play. This is the scene where they were like wondering. They already found out about the Nile. They kind of knew where the Nile were gonna be. They're trying to figure out whether or not they should act, and they're saying. We're not soldiers. We're peacekeepers. It, it was very, very Phantom Menace to me, trying to figure or like very Attack of the Clones. Like, you know, do we insert ourselves into this situation? And I love when they do that with the with the Jedi. Mm-hmm. The same happens in Dark Disciple, mm-hmm. where they're like questioning their morality, questioning like how far is too far for them. Yeah, like what is like what are their rules? Like are, they're not black and white well and i feel like this is a fundamental problem with the jedi is that they don't really seem to know what they are like yeah they say that they're not soldiers but then like they bring up well we did fight 
in like the Sith mm-hmm. Wars and like they fought with the Mandalorians and like you know do we pledge our allegiance and fight for this republic like there's so many questions up in the air and I think it's really interesting that they don't know how to answer them like they don't really know what their function should be um mm-hmm. and I think that's why we see the Jedi throughout this book kind of have different points of view like Avar clearly thinks one thing um, we clearly see that, like, Bell and, like, Loden Greatstone, like, think something else. Um, we see, like, Vern has her own opinions. Like, the the answer we get in this chapter, which is from um, Wreath's master, who we'll see in Claudia's book, she says, it's the same question I ask myself whenever I do anything at all. Does the action I'm about to take bring more light to the galaxy? Like, it, it's such mm. an interesting array of like points of view i feel like yeah that's a that's a really um interesting way to put it does it bring more light to the galaxy because mm-hmm. i i guess like you know with the jedi like that is their primary purpose is to spread light mm-hmm. i feel like obi-wan would really live by that too mm-hmm. doesn't bring more light to the the galaxy well there's a a quote um it's in Test of Courage, but it's also in Master and Apprentice, and it does make me think about Obi-Wan with Anakin's turn. It makes me think about Ben um, in his turn and how Luke handled it. They say, um, being a Jedi is about choosing the light over and over again. Like, you don't become dark just because you make one bad decision. It's like continually trying to make the right decisions. And I feel like that gets lost when we have um, Ben. Like, he's punished for, like, having, you know, some darkness within him. Like, having those darker thoughts. Um, And then that changed his entire life. With Anakin, I feel like you really do see him trying to constantly make those good decisions until he decides that it wasn't working anymore. And so then he tries to take matters into his own hands. Like... I think that the, that is the core of the Jedi, and I I kind of feel like somewhere along the way they they lose that a little bit because they're so afraid. Mm-hmm. That is what we learn in this book too. The greatest fear of the Jedi is fear. fear. Like it, it is them being afraid. So let's move in to the big battle at the end, um, which is the Battle of Kerr. Um, this was the big battle between the Republic and the Jedi with the Nile. And this was like that one subset of the Nile. Um, I think the leader's name was like, like Keeves or something. During this, um, Marchian programs all of the Nile's ships to suddenly start making little jumps in hyperspace, basically suiciding all of the ships into Republic ships. It really does bring like an interesting like Avar remarks on this like she she just thinks it's so sad she thinks that the Nile are like caged beasts um just trying to get away and like survive however they can when in reality they had no control over this um it's really sinister like the way he set this up and a lot of Jedi die um Wreath's master in particular dies Mm -hmm. I think it's just it's so interesting and like this is really like the nail in the coffin that like gets the Nile completely united because he says um who are they to tell us how to live who are they to come over to our territory to try to kill us the Republic the Jedi what gives them the right yeah 
But it's like, we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about, like, the Jedi just thinking they're all that, like, they could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. There was a little POV chapter from, like, a teenager within the Nile, too. And that's kind of her attitude. She's like, you know, they just walk all over us. Like, I had to struggle my entire life, and this is the only family I was able to find. And they think they can just mm-hmm. come here and, like, murder us all. Like, I I definitely think it's, it's a lot more black and white than just the Jedi are good and the Nile are bad. Even though... This was a very malicious intent. It's more gray. You mean it's more gray? Yes, yes. It's it's not white. as black and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time as all of this, there was like this other background plot happening with like a they were trying to kidnap a family, which that whole thing was just to capture this one Jedi, and the one that they capture is Loden Greatstorm, who's a Twi'lek, and I didn't really care about his character but like man yeah that chapter where he is in the cell being tortured and like um martian is like all crazy like it's <laughs> it is something else he, yeah it's something else <laughs> well and like and and he's like forcing this jedi to fear which is a constant theme of this book that they can't fear yeah they cannot fear and that's brought up again in the epilogue because um, that one Jedi, um, Elzar, that we mentioned, gets like a vision and he's overcome with all of these yeah. images of like chaos and darkness and battles. And he said, it's it's the fear. And he says that that vision is like inescapable. Mm-hmm. I It was so ominous. It was such an interesting way to like send off the book and it really made me excited to see what Kevin's book is going to do. Because I think he's one of the focuses of Kevin's book. I could be mistaken. Mm. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but there was also some cuteness in the epilogue with the ship. Yeah. I'm actually going to grab my book for this because I want to do a dramatic reading. So, and also, not only do they talk about drowning in this scene, but you uh, marked at the beginning of this book, um, Avar heard a song and Elzar saw a sea of endless depth and breadth. So, like, this whole, like, sea thing is, like, reoccurring for Elzar. Like, he's, like... It's very interesting, too, that they see it so differently, and yet it is kind of similar. Yeah. Well, it's like um, in Legend of Luke Skywalker when they talk about the Force being, like, um, the tide. It's, it's like that. Um, but, yeah, like, the way, like, it's so romantic the way that Elzar, like, sees it as, like, a sea and, like, drowning. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm coming into it. Um, it says, the look she gave him was like that sea he found inside himself, the Force deep and endless and impossible to fully comprehend. You could drown in it. And he says, We are the Jedi, he said. We are, she replied. She looked away and let go of his hand, and he was no longer drowning, but perhaps some part of him wished he was. Come on now. It is some good angst. I will admit that is some very good angst. That, like, is... It is... It is good. I just, 
there's potential there there's there is, very good there, potential. there's very good potential but like so like here's the thing and like here's here's my theory because at the end of this book like they're kind of being separated um because she gets offered um to be in charge of the jedi mm-hmm. on star starlight beacon he's gonna go back to coruscant clearly they still there's something between them but neither one of them are really like ready or willing to like say it you know to make it real um which you know they're they're jedi like it's it's frowned upon (laughs) and i i feel like because of how they are both described like avar is definitely like a very um like traditional jedi whereas elzar i think is a little bit more free-spirited i wonder if he's going to try to get her to run away with him to like escape this Mm -hmm. and then she won't go and then he's going to die, and she's going That's to good angst. she's going to lose faith with the Jedi Order, and then be the first of the lost twenty. Good angst. It would be some good angst. Like I'm interested in that. I, it, um, <laughs> that kind of reminds me of uh, in Lost Stars when Thane is like, "Okay, let's run away," and then Sienna doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Like I'm here for yeah. that. I'm here for that. I, I don't really want it from Charles Soule, because as we've talked about, he's when it comes to characters, I think they have some better talent um, already. Yeah. Like, Claudia, Justina, Kevin's pretty good with characters. Yeah. Um, like, if you're going to tell me this doomed romance story, you're not going to tell it to me as, like, a side plot in, like, this huge book that covers, like, a bunch of different characters. Yeah, I want it to be, like the plot you know yeah but i will take it as a hint in this book yes and something that i am hoping for well see like that's the thing like this book really is like a foundation it, it lays the groundwork for mm-hmm. a lot of things um like bell loses his master um which has become a theme because wreath has also lost his master we're going to talk about that with the next book too um yeah we have this doomed romance that could be happening we have people losing faith with the leadership of the republic um, you know, it, it laid the groundwork for a lot of stuff. My my wonder is if the other books are going to start to become more focused now that we have like this base. I really hope so. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. I really hope so. I, I hope that this was the base and that now we are going to go into very character driven stories because that's what both of us like. Yeah, that is what both it of us like. It holds my attention. It holds my attention so much easier. Mm-hmm. Than something like this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that transitions pretty well into talking about our next book, which is A Test mm-hmm. of Courage by Justina Ireland, which you read in like one day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was very good. It was, um, it felt, this is, I guess we'll, we'll talk a little bit without spoilers first. It felt like a mature junior book. Mm-hmm. Um, middle grade is what I, they call it. I don't know. Um, but it definitely felt, at times it felt like he more aged up than like E.K. Johnson's books. Oh, 100%. Which like E.K. Johnson's books are, are categorized as YA, which no. No. <laughs> no. I... I have a, no. I have a big problem with how Star Wars and Del Rey and Categor- all yeah, of them categorize it. Yeah, it's almost like it's they they categorize it by the length of the book, like word count. Yeah, 
I feel Wait, like. Do you, do you think that they do that? Because, and then, and I don't agree with that because I think that this book is probably a low YA where at least Queen's Peril and Ahsoka are, mm, Ahsoka at times can be a little bit more mature, but like. I, I yeah, feel like I don't. Um, Star Wars has like two true YA novels and that would be Lost Stars and Rebel Rising, I feel like. Yeah. Um, Most Wanted is definitely YA, but it's a little bit more on, like, the lower end. Low, low YA. Yeah, I would say... Queen's Shadow, maybe. Queen's Shadow, yeah, YA. a little bit. Um, I would say, actually, that, like, Ahsoka and Queen's Peril read more middle grade to me. And, like, middle grade mm-hmm. does not mean, like, you know, kid... Bad. It <laughs> doesn't mean... It just... It's... It, it doesn't mean bad. It just means, like... Like, it is suited for, for this age or, and obviously, but it, like, it's, it, it's all about setting expectations for the book. Yes. Because I think that had Test of Courage been marketed more as YA, maybe it would have sold more. I think so. Because you definitely see, like, the lower the age on a Star Wars book, typically, like, the less copies are being sold, right? Yeah. Like, the less popularity it has. Well, and I feel like a lot of the times it seems to me that Star Wars thinks middle grade is, like, you know, my first chapter book. And, like, that's not true. Because yeah. you know what's middle grade? Harry Potter, like, all of Harry Potter, uh, Percy yeah. Jackson, like, Warriors, like, all that stuff is middle grade. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like what really distinguishes, like, when you start to get kind of on the cusp of, like, what's middle grade and what's YA is, like, the char- like what the characters are going through. Characters. Yeah. What they're thinking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, the depth of their thoughts. Yeah. Because um, I find a lot of, of middle grade, sometimes it's, it's more surface level. Yeah. See, I was actually thinking about this. Um, so I'm currently reading a book by C.B. Lee, who was one of the authors in um, The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. And the book I'm reading is Not Your Sidekick. And I would definitely say it is a middle grade book. But I, they are like juniors in high school. And they they talk about, like, having crushes, and, like, at one point, like, they even talk, like, a little bit about sex, but it's, like, a very surface level, and mm-hmm. I feel like, like, that's what it is. Like, it's not as, like, you know, emotional and angsty. Yeah. Um, it, it's delivered a lot like, uh, like, Rick Riordan's, like, newer stuff when it comes to, like, the mm-hmm. representation and, like, the relationships, which I really like. Like, I'm glad that, like, that's becoming the standard for middle grade, which I definitely feel mm-hmm. like Justina's book hits, but, like, a lot of the other books with Star Wars don't hit it. Yeah. But Justina, I, I was going to bring up uh, Justina's Spark of the Resistance middle grade book that came out for The Rise of Skywalker, um, like, Timeline. That hits very middle grade. Yeah. Well, that like that is very that's a very surface level book. Yes, and that's not like bad on Justina. I'm just saying that does fit more into its it's category. More, I feel like Star Wars middle grade to me is more adventure based than like character based. Yeah. It's like these are our characters. You probably already know them because like they're normally about like Ray or Luke. Um, Justina's other middle grades about Lando. Um, and then when you get into YA, it is more, like, character-driven. I feel like that's kind of how they 
have you know divided it up within Star Wars whereas I would say Test of Courage yeah it is to me it reads like a true middle grade book like probably more on the higher end like a like an older an older level middle grade like Guardians of the Wills yes Guardians of, Guardians the, of the Wills it's definitely which up I there. would die for that book yes it is definitely <laughs> like Guardians of the Wills um, and it is entirely character focused like we do have the setup that they're on this ship and the ship gets sabotaged it blows up to um, but really, this book is about these four kids, like, stranded in space, like, trying to survive, and them helping each other through this tremendous, like, ordeal that they just went through. So, you you mentioned this. Like, this was a, a much better read because it was character-driven. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say, like, you really enjoyed about this book? Like, what were, like, what was your favorite things about it? I think the relationships between the four kids, mm-hmm. I think um, the way that they were able to kind of like process trauma together, like collectively was, was really good because they go through a lot of trauma together. Yes. Well, and they all handle it differently, which I love. Mm-hmm. Like none of our characters handle it the same way. And I feel like that's something that Star Wars sometimes misses is like the dealing with the trauma um especially like as we've moved on i feel like the you don't really get to see our characters like work through grief a ton um Mm -hmm. and at the very beginning of this book like we are going to move into spoilers now but since this ship went down um one of our characters named honesty he's only 12 he's the son of one of the ambassadors his father dies and then one of our other characters, Emery, who's 14, he's a Jedi Padawan, his master dies. So right off the bat, like, they are dealing yeah. with, like, this is huge. These four kids are the yeah. only survivors. Mm-hmm. And these two characters, Honesty and Emery, like, they um, bond over this. Because, like, Emery, like, realizes that a Jedi master is like a father, like, is like a parent. Like that, that like they don't know what it's like to actually have a parent. The closest thing they have to it is a Jedi master, mm-hmm. and I I feel like you really see that the Jedi teachings when it comes to this kind of thing do fail a little bit because Emery feels very lost, and he is somebody who's very emotional. Yeah. Um, he's an empath, but not like in a force way. He says he's just paying attention. Um, yeah. Like in, in like a, a very yeah human in like a way. human way like he he just understands people, um so that it, like it hits him really hard and I feel like you know there's two Jedi in our group because we have him and Vernestra and Vernestra's 15 she's a Jedi Knight she's a very young Jedi Knight and I feel like she isn't as equipped as I think the Jedi think she is or they think they are emotionally yes, to help him work through like, this. She's like technically like yes like she has all the Jedi skills the like physical like um tangible like Jedi skills but she doesn't have like the emotional maturity of like Avar or um you know like the older ones like she doesn't have like she's literally a child. Like your her her brain isn't done like developing. Yeah, and and I feel like you know she she's going through it too, and she's trying to figure things mm-hmm. out. So like, even though she she tries to help and be there for Emery, like he does kind of slip away. Um, 
And that does happen with honesty as well, because like he's really going through it. But what really surprised me was um, Avon Staros and how well she was able to like identify her emotions and like the scenes we get of her talking through them. Yeah, she's really emotionally intelligent. Like, it's, like, they kind of have, like, those opposite traits. Yeah. Tell me about um, Avon, because she's she's kind of a, a quirky, interesting character. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, this genius, like, daughter of a senator, but she's also an ancestor of Sana? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and she... And she feels, like, very lonely because her mom is always so busy and, like, she feels, like, super, I guess, like, isolated mm-hmm. from her. Yeah, like, we we see when, like, when we're, when we're introduced to her, she's very stubborn and she's, you know, trying to do all these things. She doesn't really want to follow the rules. She kind of has, like, a mind of her own, which definitely sets her and Vernestra in, like, an interesting place because Vernestra is very by the book and, you know, polite and, like, do all of the things. Um, but, like, when we peel back some of these layers with Avon and you, you get to see that she is lonely and she feels like she needs to prove that, like, she's worthy of being here and, like, that kind of thing, it was interesting to see her talk to, like, honesty about that, about how, like, you know, she's felt very abandoned by her mother and all of that. And I wasn't expecting that from her. Like, honestly, I I was kind of expecting, like, your typical um, kid's book. Like, she was just going to be a hothead and, like, that was going to be it. But, like, she had such, like, this emotional complexity that was so refreshing to see. And I was really hoping that just... I thought Justina's YA was about her. But apparently it's... It's not? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought in the... Um, the the live stream she said it was about Avon but just older um but last night we were told it's not so I I don't know about that we'll have to kind of look into it um when's that coming out in the summer uh yeah it's it'll come out with um Kevin's book in the summer Hmm. and like those were probably supposed to be winter books Or maybe not. Maybe they were always supposed to be summer books. They might have, because I feel like, you know... Yeah, like, like a year apart. Yeah. These books, to me, were, like, already written and ready to go, obviously, for August. Um, but yeah. it just didn't work out. So they decided mm-hmm. to, you know, wait until things could be launched a little bit better. Okay. Um, I have to, like, mentally prepare myself that I'm going to be, like, high Republicing it up, like, in summer months. <laughs> Yeah. I have to, like, I have to make that mental transition that, like, High Republic is going to be, like, a summer thing. Yeah, it is. I think it's going to be, like, the the summer mm-hmm. books, which, I mean, is is interesting. Definitely more time because so many drop at one time. Yeah. There's, you know what? The summer is going to be busy, I feel like, with, um like, Lego Star Wars mm-hmm. and, um... And we don't know when the Bad Batch is coming out yet. I think the the next Thrawn book and the last Alphabet Squad book come out sometime around then too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the you, you listen, you don't understand. You have to read this Thrawn book. <laughs> I know. Okay, wait. Let me see if they have the audio book. It's so much easier know. to read. I can mentally But 
kind of kind of moving moving on from our characters we do get that that nice emotional complexity which is so so good um but i would say like the other thing that's like really focused on in this is the dark side um we even get a mention of the night sisters which was really cool um but emory mentions that there hasn't been a jedi that has gone dark in like modern times and i was like real modern times but it's kind of, I mean, it's it's sort of how, like, in the prequels, they're like, oh, well, like, the, the, the Sith don't really exist. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, clearly the whole tragedy of Plagueis, like, would have happened not, like, that much before mm-hmm. the prequels, right? Like, history is super weird History is in super Star Wars. weird, yes. I, I feel like it's it's interesting because I would say in the prequels, like, the Jedi have become so blind to the dark side. Like, it, it's, it's like, ridiculous. Like, they don't even notice that mm-hmm. it, it's already all around them. Like, it's too late already mm-hmm. for them, you know? Like, it, they, didn't, they didn't really stand a chance. And I think it's interesting in this one because, you know, we talk about with the High Republic, like, all is well. But, like, we know the darkness is there. And Vernestra does talk about how, like, you do need both to walk a balanced path. And yet she is afraid of people thinking that she could go dark. Emery is jealous of her and doesn't know how to handle his emotions. And it's almost kind of reminded me of like a, a little bit of like a panic with him because he knew that the way he was thinking would make him go dark. But he like he couldn't stop. You know, he just kept getting yeah. really angry, and then eventually he's like, "I only feel better when I'm angry, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna lean into it now." Yeah, it's very like he, like almost like an anxiety, like an anxiety cycle. Mm-hmm. Like he just, no matter like what, he just can't get himself out of it. Yeah, and he he drags honesty down with him a little bit, um, and and honesty is affected by that, like by that energy. And what I really, really like, because um, honesty, like, he feels very lost. He doesn't know how he's going to come back from this because he he doesn't, he feels like he doesn't have anything. Like, he doesn't have the force. He doesn't have the science. Like, he just had his father. Um, but what I thought was really interesting, so when Avon is talking to honesty, and this is on 178, um, it says that she was afraid Honesty's grief could not be fixed with science, but even more concerning was a Jedi. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but even more concerning was a Jedi who seemed angry and had lost that inner peace that Jedi exuded. What happened when a Jedi lost contact with the light side of the Force? Like, the way that Vernestra, like, has no control over any of this just, like, to me proves, like, she's not ready to be... Mm-hmm. at least a master and i guess we'll get into that at the end well i mean but as as the story goes on like there's other cool stuff in this book like the the planet's really cool there's like acid rain we didn't talk about j6 but she's a really awesome sassy droid um who reminds me a lot of l3 actually (laughs) um which i really like but um the story ends basically with them discovering that the there was the two Nile who sabotaged the ship. They were the only other ones that survived, which is what sets Emery off. Like, how dare these bad people survive and not 
my master, not Honesty's father. Like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that that led him to actually tap into the dark side. Um, and Vernestra kind of has to calm him down. And in the end, Vernestra ends up taking Emery as a Padawan. That's a bad idea. I, yeah, I thought, I'm like, this is a really bad that's idea. That's a really, they, they're one year age gap. Yeah. This is like, like, you know how Obi-Wan and Anakin, like, become brothers? Mm-hmm. And, like, they have a big, they have a big age gap, even though it doesn't really seem like it in the movies because of the actors. But, like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. I, I feel like... Like, Renestra still, like, like even though, like, of course she she's going to take something away from this experience, but, like, she is still not emotionally intelligent enough to, like, be taking on a Padawan a year younger than no. her. No, well, and I feel like there's so much that she needs to work through. Like, she went through trauma yeah. with this, too. And I don't think she's mm-hmm. in a place where she has worked through that enough to then help somebody else work through it you know like it just mm-hmm. i i just don't see this going well because i i feel like what emery yeah. needs is like a friend like he just needs her to be yeah. his friend like she like an offer of friendship would have gone maybe a, a longer way mm-hmm. because there's always like we've seen it in the prequels there's this like weird distance between a master and a padawan well it's because of those attachments like you can't be attached yeah so like if she had offered friendship to him rather than like to be his master like i think that would have been better for both of them because there wouldn't have been a power struggle that there now is going to be yeah i i i feel like we're we're still dealing with the fact that i think emery is still jealous of her and it's because they are so Mm -hmm. close in age and she has advanced so far and like done so many things like i'm sure there's a lot that she could teach him about like you know the actual jedi things but like when it comes to being a person i mean maybe he can help her with that but like if he's still going through this like oh man yeah (laughs) like think about being in his shoes like you're there's someone a year older than you who for some reason or other has really excelled at something that you're you're probably going at the average pace but like this person has become like an, a know-it-all about it and y- do you want them to become your like teacher yeah no i feel like it's just gonna strain their relationship more yeah and I'm wondering, like, if they're going to explore this going forward and other stuff. Well, Vernestra, Vernestra for sure is in Justina's book because she's on the cover. Yeah, um, and I thought I thought that was Avon on the cover too, which she's it still could be. I, uh, we got to look that up. Um, and there's another guy on the cover too. Yeah. So hopefully, then they explore it more there, and Justina kind of knows what she's doing with this. That this is going to cause issues i think justina um i always go back to dread nation and like how she wrote jane and Catherine. yeah they bought yeah well like their relationship really evolved and was like if dread nation was about anything it was about the relationship between jane and Catherine. yeah so i i really think that justina it could be doing something really interesting with this i'm not sure what I'm certainly very excited to see her write 
her first YA for Star Wars, because right now she has three middle grades. And so this will be her first YA. When it comes to Star Wars YA, like we just talked about, like it's all over the board with age ranges, but I feel like it's gonna be true YA, or I hope it is at least. I I feel like she gets it. Mm-hmm. She does. She really does. Mm-hmm. Like, if Dread, Dread Nation is anything to go by. <sighs> Dread Nation is... Y'all, YA. if y'all haven't read Dread Nation, like, changed yeah. my life. We've been preaching yes. this. We've been preaching this. It's it's a really great Anybody book. Anybody who, like, mentions Justina Ireland now, I'm like, well, have you read Dread Nation? They're like, no. And I'm like, well, you need to read Dread Nation. <laughs> that's, her be- that's her best book. best work. That's her best book. <sighs> Please go read it. Um, one thing that we didn't mention, like, I know we're, like, we've kind of, like, wrapped up this book, but the planet. Yes. <laughs> was so cool. And the ecosystem and how there was, like, acid rain every day and, like, things would grow back every day. Yeah, there was these weird fruits. I loved the plants and how they had adapted mm-hmm. to, like, work with this acid rain that was falling. There were monkeys Okay, that's one thing I didn't like is Justina killed she the monkey. She gave us a pet and she named it and then she killed it. And I was like, Justina, yeah. what are you excuse me? <laughs> In a middle grade In novel. In a middle grade novel. Like what I, you know, Emery needed that. Emery lost his father and then he lost <laughs> his little monkey. Like what? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I would definitely say Test of Courage was my favorite of the two. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it can speak for both of us when we say that. It It is yeah. such a, a good read. I feel like a lot of people are going to skip out on it because it's middle grade. Don't. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like if if they had marketed categories different, I think this would be getting more hype. Because yeah. it, it deserves more hype. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a kid's book. Well, I mean, it's a kid's book, but like it's not like what you think of like a kid's book to be. It's It's very, yeah. very well done. So the other thing that we got with this drop was The Higher Public Number 1 by Kevin Scott. We're really not going to go into this much here. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's more of like a closer look at one of the Jedis named um, Skier, who is a Trandoshan? Um, in the, I didn't read no, the No, but you, he's the one who loses the arm. Yeah, he's a okay, okay. Yeah, he's he's the mm-hmm. lizard. He's the li- yeah. lizard dude. He only has yeah. one arm in the comic. Um, oh, so it happens after Light of the Jedi. Yeah, it okay. happens after Light of the Jedi. Um, the main character is his Padawan named Keeve. I love her. She swears a lot. Kevin gave us four <laughs> new Star Wars swear words. So proud of Kevin. So proud of Kevin. He is living his best life. I'm like... You know, like, I'm, like, the that proud mom of Kevin Scott, like, with her video <laughs> yeah. camera, just, like, you're doing great, you're sweetie. Doing great. I love it. Um, I'm really excited to see more from it. Like, with comics, for me, I feel like it takes a while for it to, like, ramp up, and, like, nothing big happened yet, so we'll probably talk about it more as we get mm-hmm. more issues. Um, and yeah. basically, what to expect next from High Republic, uh, February 2nd is Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. That's the date I am waiting for. That is for. the book we are waiting that for. Is, that is that is the that book. That is the, the book. <laughs> That's the book that I will start reading like the moment I get it. Where these ones, I was just like, Ugh, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, like we had already read the, the yeah, samplers yeah. before that, but like, like Into the Dark is going to arrive at my house and I'm going to be been desperate. It. I'm so We've excited. Been de- <laughs> we haven't had a new Claudia book in Almost two years, because Master and Apprentice Since was... Master and Apprentice. Yeah, that was 2019. 
I know. Master and Apprentice. That needs to be revisited. I know. Can you look at us? Can you believe? (laughs) Master and Apprentice has grown on me the most as like a book, like over time. I keep it bookmarked at my library in case I want to listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other thing that'll be dropping. um, So February 3rd, we will be getting um, issue number two for the High Republic comic uh, for Kevin Scott. And then February 23rd, we will be getting our first issue of the IDW Higher Public Adventures, which is Daniel Jose Older. And I had no interest in these, except those characters are going to be in his middle grade novel, which is coming out in the summer, I believe. And there is a character in it who calls himself Buckets of Blood, in all caps. He's He seems very himbo. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, into it. Like... Yoda's yeah. in it, which I don't really I mean, want to see Yoda. I don't want to see, like, like 20-something Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> 20, 2020, if anything, was, like, the year of the himbo. Yes, it was the year of the himbo, which is just a great living its best life. Um, is yeah. there anything else you want to say about this bit of the High Republic? No. Claudia is a queen, and I can't wait to see what she does. Oh, mm-hmm. that's another thing. So... During the the live stream, like the launch event, um, everybody mentioned like what they're writing next. So like Charles Soule, I think, is writing a comic next um, and Kevin's writing the next adult novel. Daniel Jose Older is writing IDW, but the next thing for him will be a middle grade. Justina's going to write the YA. And then when they got to Claudia, she was like, I am writing something for Star Wars, but I'm not allowed to say what it is. It, it better be Lost Stars too. Like, I just... Or, or um, Satine and Obi-Wan. <laughs> Obi-Wan. Like, it, like, it is oh. only in my brain, it is either one of those and nothing else. Like, it I mean, cannot, it can't be something else. I just, like, <laughs> she is writing, like, I know she's, like, adapting more um, mangas, and there, there was something about a manga where they're working, um, actually, I think it was Justina, maybe is doing the manga where they're working with, like, a Japanese, like, script writer. So it's going to be, like, very true to form. Um, But they've just... The fact that they're so secretive about what it is, they won't even tell us, like, anything about it. I refuse for it to be anything but Lost Stars 2 or Obatine. Like, that... Yeah. It isn't something else in my brain. I I don't even know when we're going to find out. Maybe in the summer... When they start releasing stuff again. Yeah, it's like, it's, there's no cons to, like, be like, oh, maybe at this con. Like, maybe San Diego Comic Con, like, they're doing. Yeah, like an online thing again. Virtually? Yeah. Well, they could still do it, though, virtually at San Diego Comic Con. I mean, they they could have, like, their own virtual event. Like, I feel like um, they'll probably do something whenever, like, I don't know when the phases happen. There's going to be three phases, so whenever phase two starts, I'm sure they'll do something big, um, whatever that's going to be. I don't know. But I just, it's so secretive and I, I want to know what it's going to be. But next time, uh, we are going to be watching a little movie called Willow, which I know nothing about. We Neither of us know anything about. Yeah. Like the I, only thing <laughs> I knew is that it was announced that the director from Crazy Rich Asians has now stepped down from the project because of their filming in the UK. So 
but the pandemic is harder for him and he's having a baby. Mm -hmm. So he made this whole message about that, which was very clear that he was sad that he had to step down, but for like family reasons, he was. So they haven't announced who the director is now. Yes. But they are still making it the Willow show. Like that is still happening. And Willow is like a Lucasfilm like production. Yes, it yes. is Lucasfilm. I literally know nothing about yeah. this. I I hear Willow mentioned, and then I and I you hear think of Taylor Swift. Yeah, well, or I, I, there's that other Willow song that we have on our Raylo playlist, also. Oh, that's true. It's a pretty song. It is a pretty song. <laughs> um, but like I remember when it got announced, because like everybody was kind of freaking out about it, and I'm like, but what is it? Um, so we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch we're, it. We're gonna watch it. Yes, we're going to watch I, it. We're gonna so it out. I haven't seen it either, but I, I have a little bit more information than you. Yeah, I have zero information. But um, um, I'm, really, I'm really excited that we're actually watching something new for us, even though it's super old. Um, but it's new for us. Yes, I'm excited about that, too. Yeah. I think it'll be really cool. Um, that will be um, our next episode because we have one kind of in between book releases. Because after that, we will have that Claudia novel. Mm-hmm. And we are both just so excited. Oh, that sample was so good. Like we we are in for a Reef, treat. We are reef stands. We are our, like listen. Our <laughs> we we have unadopted Joshua Bassett. Although I feel like Ricky is still a baby. But like yeah, Joshua Bassett, like, uh, get out of here. Like Ricky as a character, awesome. Yes. Um, yes. But we have um, replaced him not only with Olivia but also with Reef because I love him already. Like, I just, <laughs> I feel like he's tailor-made for me to like him. <laughs> so I'm excited. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode. Like I said at the top of the show, if you want to support us, we do have a shop where you can check out some of the wonderful designs that Alex has created. We also have a coffee account if you want to support us that way. And you can always find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.